Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you felt that short form online, as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. Happy Father's Day to all the dads that are out there having a great Father's Day Sunday with their families. Hey, Dad, you are special. Uh, man, you matter. Nobody can do your job the way you do it. And I won't get into all of that today because we're continuing our series in Romans. But man, study after study after study has shown fathers who are present in the lives of their kids, they fulfill a need not even mom can meet. Families are stronger. They're healthier. Dad, you fulfill a role that, that moms just can't quite fill because that's God's design. God's design for the family is for a father and mother to work together. But just like Mother's Day, we recognize that those of you, you may struggle with this weekend. Maybe you didn't have a father growing up or our dad just wasn't really around. Uh, perhaps he's not with us anymore in this life. Just know that we see you, man. Our hearts and our prayers, they go out to you today as well. All right. And we started this Romans series off back in May, and it took us four weeks just to get through chapter one. Through the first seven verses, we focused on God's story of salvation. Then we learned about the Romans Christian faith and how it had spread through the empire in verses 8 through 15. And we stopped to talk about the shameless faith in verses 16 and 17. We learned how in those verses really formed the foundation that Paul has for his theology and the worldview that he, that he carries with him. And then we wrapped up chapter 1 with a breakdown of one of the toughest texts you're going to find in Scripture. In fact, the end of Romans chapter 1 really serves as a hinge leading into chapter 2. Paul lists all kinds of at the end of chapter 1, to which many in the letter that, that hear it being read are saying like, yeah, we agree with you, amen. That's the amen corner people, you know. Uh, and then Paul turns his attention to those guys next. In fact, listen to what he says, Romans chapter 2, verse number 1. He says, you may think that you can condemn such people. Remember, he's referring to the sins and those who commit them that he outlined at the end of chapter 1, Okay. But you're just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say that they're wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God, in His justice, will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Now let's stop here for a moment, because Paul is talking directly to the Roman Christians here, specifically to those Christians who, who may look at the sin of other people with kind of like a smugness, you know, like a disdain, almost that says, I'm better than that. You know, it's kind of that holier-than-thou mentality we see in people. And, and right away, he wants his Christians to know that, that their criticism, their judgment, it actually condemns not others, but themselves. I realized over the years that, that people who 
typically voice the loudest, angriest, most accusative tones against certain sinful behaviors and lifestyles are often guilty of the very same thing. It's like the guy who rails against women and how they dress and present themselves. He's the same one with a porn addiction or is carrying out an affair. Uh, the person who strongly accuses somebody of lying or cheating is the one who's embezzling funds. Uh, the character assassination being carried out by one woman against another hides the fact that she has no morals and principles or boundaries whatsoever, you know? So some of the worst people that I've ever dealt with, by the way, they've lived that way. But worse, <laughs> they're actually Christians. Yeah, that's, that's right. They're Christians. Why? Well, you know, God can handle a lot of things because he's God. But I'd say one thing God can handle is hypocrisy. And Paul really attacks that hard in these opening verses. Jesus speaking against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day, he pulls this quote from Isaiah in Matthew chapter 15. He says this, These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm. Hypocrisy. Saying one thing, living a different way. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, God confronts his people about bringing offerings solely out of obedience because it's the right thing to do. But their hearts aren't in it. You know, like you go to church, you go to group, you read your Bible, you do all the things you're supposed to do. And, and then we would say like, hey, oh man, like you're committed. Look at that. But is your heart in it? Do you have a passion for connecting with God? Have you ever been around somebody and invited them to do something with you? Um, like, you know, fishing, playing a game, like, I don't know, something like that. Something you thought would be fun. And they just aren't feeling it. You know, you're having a good time, <laughs> but they're not. And they're just hanging with you because they know that you want to be where you guys are at doing what you're doing. Um, their heart is just not there. And I don't know about you, but when I'm around people like that, I would rather them not tag along to begin with. Like, you know, you, know, you don't want to be here. You don't want to do this. Then, then why would you come along in the first place? You might as well have what? You might as well have just stayed home. Well, I think some of you guys have relationships with God that are like that. Like God would rather your whole heart be devoted in passion to Him and, 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 and then you doing all these little things you're supposed to and not have your heart into it. He wants you to desire Him. He wants you to have that drive to be in His presence. Don't be the person who tries to fake passion. Man, just go all in for Jesus. And so Paul's addressing the, the hypocritical Christian here, the one whose passion for God is lacking, uh, but who's done it right all their lives, you know? He's like, hey, you guys are, are pointing to the stuff that I listed earlier, but you don't deal with the sin in your own life. You know God's judgment falls on sin, and these people are doing the same things that you're doing, and you're judging them as if, like, you're okay. Hey, man, stop it. Like, we don't have the spiritual gift of judgment. I know a lot of people think they have that gift, but that's not one listed in Scripture, okay? Now, we've all walked in that supposed gift because we've all judged people when we shouldn't have. And the problem when we condemn others is, you know, really we try to take away the primary role of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who convicts the world of its sin. So does Paul say it's his justice that's coming? Is it your justice coming? Uh, coming? No, it's, it's God's justice, right? God's judgment is on the way. 
How many of you guys have, have like honked your horn at somebody who's, who's texting on their, on their phone? They're swerving a little bit here and there, and you're judging them for it. And you're like, man, what an idiot. Get off your phone. And then when someone messages you, <laughs> what do you do? You may not text, but you pull that phone out, and you're swiping real quick so you can read what they wrote, and you're driving too, right? Whoops. Paul sounds a lot like Jesus here. Luke chapter 6. He tells his followers, hey, don't judge or you'll be judged. Don't tell your neighbor, let me get that little speck out of your eye when you have a big giant two by four stick it out of yours. And listen to what else he says. Luke 6, verse 38, he says this, give and you'll receive. Your gift will return you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. This is very important. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Over the years, many people have attached this verse to you know, an offering or financial giving, and it's got nothing to do with that. The context is judgment. If you want to be judged less, stop judging people. If you want to be forgiven more, then you start forgiving others, because the same measure you use is going to be used on you. And then in verse number three, Paul hits it home a little bit harder. He lets his readers know they're not going to escape God's judgment. You know, If you're going to sin, even after Christ has paid the price for you, boy, you're going you're gonna to pay for it. It's a strict warning that we should, we should keep ourselves accountable, right? Hold ourselves accountable for our own sin, our own struggles. Don't worry about holding somebody else accountable first. We're, we're really good at that. Like we're really good at looking at John's sins and John's choices, but not our own. We're good at criticizing one form of sin while we're locked into one that's different. And Paul is warning these Christians in these verses who have that gift of judgment. He's saying, stop. Not later, not tomorrow. Stop today. Stop judging others while you have what? Unresolved sin in your own life. He keeps going in verse number four. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? But because you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. You know, I've never met anyone who was condemned to salvation you know, by somebody else judging them for their sin. I've never met somebody who lost every argument about God and faith and finally acquiesced and was like, dude, I give up, I believe now, you know? I, you cannot debate somebody into placing their faith in Christ. You can't condemn someone in, 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 into faith. That's not how change works. We don't have the power, this is important, to change people. Why? Because it's the kindness of God which changes us. Look at Paul's words from verse number four. He says, it's, it's God's kindness, which is intended to turn you from your sin. God's kindness leads to change, to repentance. We've taken that word repentance and we've made it synonymous with forgiveness, but the truth is, repentance is not the same thing. Repentance is a 180 turn that you make in your life. You were marching one way, then God got a hold of you, and now you're turning and going in the opposite direction. For Paul, like he, he has personal experience of this, 
right? For Paul, he's, he's going to Damascus. He's going to imprison Christians. He has a passion for persecution. And then he meets Jesus along the way, and his life does a complete reversal. He's no longer someone who hunted down believers and tried to stamp out followers of Christ. He's now one of them, and he would give his life to reach others as well. That's, that's the kind of reversal that repentance encaptures, that repentance is really all about. So Jesus says it like this in Luke chapter 9, uh, verse number 62. He says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And you say, wait a minute, pastor, what in the world is he talking about? Like plow. He's saying you're either all in for God or you're not in at all. And so once you make a commitment to follow God, be part of his kingdom, once you repent, you move forward. You're not, you're not going backwards anymore. You're moving forward completely committed to the Lord. And yet there are so many of us who are trying to follow Christ with what? With our heads looking back at what we're leaving behind. And this is what Paul is pointing to in verse number five. Right? These are the Roman Christians who just cannot give up a part of that past sinful life. And Paul is trying to warn them that God's judgment could fall on them too if they don't stop living a life where they're juggling God and sin and trying to make it all work. We're going to get to more on that here in just a little bit because Paul's going to address that here in a moment. But repentance is, is really a perpetual state for you and I. God's always working in us and always changing us. And at first, it's hard to stop, you know, what you're leaving behind. Maybe God's getting you out of a life where compulsive lying was your thing or deception or addiction or whatever it was. And it's difficult to go just straight cold turkey, isn't it? But then once God gets you to a place where you've overcome that, He moves you on to deeper things. You know, like, like for instance, trust. <laughs> hey, you need to trust me. Now, I don't know if some of you have gotten that point yet or not, but trusting in God is crazy hard. Like, it's hard to trust God when you give and when you serve, when you're putting money and time and commitment where your mouth is, right? It's hard to trust God when you can't see what's around the corner, and this decision you're going to make could be life-altering and impact your family in all kinds of different ways. Yet, when we fail to trust in God, we're actually placing trust in ourselves. And what are we doing? Like, where's our commitment? Well, yeah, it's, it's not where it should be, right? And we have to repent and say, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. We have to live in a state where we're not looking back. We're moving forward in this new life and direction that God has for us. And so what I hope you're seeing today so far is the kindness of God, man. It's, it's not a pass for our sin. It's not a pass which leads us you know, to, to more simple behavior. It, it, it leads us to new life. And Paul's words are pointing to this struggle that we can have where we get into the sin and judgment and forgetting that God is actually working within us. We're criticizing others and if we're not repenting and not turning and that here we are and we're in the same boat. And so he keeps going in verse number six. He goes, he, this is God, he'll judge everyone according to what they've done. He'll give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he'll pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. Now look at verse number nine. There'll be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what's evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. And there'll be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. And here in these last few verses we're going to look at today is where the crux of Paul's admonishment comes into play. God cannot handle hypocrisy. 
It's God's kindness, not our judgment, which changes people. Now, what's the underlying issue with the Roman Christians living this way? What's their hearts? Our hearts reveal our devotion. How we live is a direct reflection of what we believe. And you can say you believe all you want, man, but nothing will change until your life reflects that belief. Some of you guys, you might want a great prayer life. You just wish you could pray more and do it better. Well, have you considered perhaps you don't have a great prayer life because you haven't placed a high value on prayer? Like when I walk into a room and it's dark, I want the light, right? So I flip on the switch. I believe doing so will bring light. If you believe it, do it. You want a great prayer life? Start believing prayer is of the utmost importance and begin praying and carving out time in your day to do so. Paul says again in verses 6 and 7 that God will judge each person by, by what they've done. I want you to remember the context here too. Right? He's writing to Christians. So works don't save you, but what are works? Well, works are actions, right? And, and what are these actions? They're reflections of what we believe of, of, of our heart. Someone whose heart is fully devoted to the Lord will live a life whose actions back that belief up. And someone whose heart isn't, they're not going to have much to show for it. And then he makes it a point to include everybody, Jews and Gentiles, into this mix. It's the, it's the cultural insider and outsider. God doesn't view one type of person as greater than any other. We're all the same. And if you have faith in Christ, if your life and actions reflect your heart's devotion, hey, God will reward you. If you don't have faith, if your life and actions are reflecting that devotion to yourself and not God, then you've got judgment coming your way. And this is true for every single person, no exceptions. And that point of new favoritism, man, it is so important in this letter. You see, here's why. Because in Paul's day, there's intense conflict among Christians. He's going to actually address this more as we get towards the end of Romans. But it particularly dealt with Jewish believers and non-Jewish or Gentile believers. Yeah, Jewish believers saying in some cases, hey, like you have to follow the law of Moses and circumcision and all that stuff to be part of God's kingdom. And Gentile believers are fighting that because, you know, like, can you... You want to be an adult and get circumcised? Like, good luck. I'd fight that too, okay? At the same time, though, they think it's nothing to eat, you know, Gentiles, uh, pork or food that's been set apart for idolatry in the form of worship, even though they're not worshiping idols. There, there's a real tense conflict that's happening among Christians throughout the Roman Empire. That's why Paul was making it a point to state that everyone falls under these conditions, that God doesn't show favoritism. It's the same for all of us. And I would just say today, man, that listen, we have to remember that. Like God views us the same, whether you're men, women, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor. Like we're not held in high regard over any one person in God's eyes. The same truth is applicable to all of us. Now, there's a simple test to determine how tender your heart is towards the Lord. Remember, your actions reflect your heart's devotion. Look at how you live. Evaluate your actions, your words, your relationships. Be completely honest with yourself. Is what you're seeing lining up with who you are and what you believe? Jesus says in Mark chapter 7, it's from the heart of a person that comes all kinds of sin. So check your heart. You know, honestly evaluate how you're living. Our behavior doesn't save us, it reflects us, right? So our lives are to be lived in an all-out devotion to God. Don't live for God because you have to. Your heart's not in it then. It's not a reflection of what you believe. Live for God because you desire Him. Because your passion's there. Your heart's there. There's no following Jesus without being fully surrendered to the, to, to, to the Lord. Romans is really like, it's really the book 
the letter on spiritual growth and maturity. Much of what Paul writes is designed to help the reader grow and live out, live out their faith. What we've talked about today is designed to help you grow. So stop judging other people, man. Make sure your heart is right, that you live what you believe. You know, there's three stages of spiritual growth uh, that lead to maturity, and we all want to grow and be mature, right? So I'm going to share with you real quick. The first is, is knowledge. That's knowing what God wants. This is where you give your life to Christ. So, you, you know, you get, you get baptized, you serve, you give, become part of a church community. Romans 10 says faith comes by hearing God's word, knowledge, okay? There's also where, uh, the, this is also a stage where if you're religious, you get stuck at, right? Because someone who's religious hasn't moved past this stage. They're really good at knowing what God wants, but they're unkind and cruel at actually, you know, using it. And they're really stuck here. They can't get to the next stage, which is wisdom. And that's the ability to apply what God wants. It's reading the Bible and doing what it says. It's knowing the why behind the what. This is where so many of us need to be, but we're not there yet because we're still stuck in that first stage in knowledge. James, one of the best books in the Bible to read about wisdom. Proverbs does too, uh, is too. It's all about application. How do I apply what I'm learning? And then finally, there's maturity. And this is when you desire what God wants. It's when your will lines up with God's will. The ultimate goal is this stage right here. Like, can you imagine living your life with Christ in complete alignment with God's will because your spiritual growth has reached this stage? Like, you desire what God desires. You're praying for, for, for something, right? You're living your faith out. You just keep having those prayers answered. The miracles keep happening. And we often think it's because we're saying the right kind of prayer or having the right amount of faith. But really, it's about being so close to the Lord that what you pray for is exactly what God desires for you. That how you're living and stepping out in faith is exactly the move God desires you to make. You're in complete and total alignment. Hebrews tells us to move from basic elementary principles into spiritual maturity. Judgment is elementary, okay? Living for ourselves, that's a basic survival instinct. But living for the Lord and being committed and aligned with Him, that is next level stuff. Maybe you're not there yet. And I got news for you, man. Like, I'm not either. But I want to invite you to start the spiritual journey today if you're not a follower of Christ. And for those of you who might be followers already, I want to invite you to grow. Move past judgment. Let God's kindness continue to change you. Keep moving forward. Make your life wholly, fully, and completely devoted to the Lord. Here's what I want to do here today. If you'd say, Pastor, I want to start this journey. Uh, I'm not even on it right now. We're going to say a prayer to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior first. Those are the two things you gotta do. Jesus, save me and, and lead me, be my Lord. And then I wanna come back and pray for you who are believers. Perhaps you're struggling because, man, you, you're just, you're, you're judging folks. You're criticizing me. Like you're, you're, in, you're in that Romans 2 kind of element right now that Paul's talking about, and you're being convicted today by it. You're saying, Pastor, I need to get out. I need, I need a change in my life. I want to pray for you too. So let's start with those of you perhaps who are saying, I, I, I want to start this journey for the first time. So Father, I pray for those who, who, who would say, I, I want to begin to know and follow Jesus. Lord, for them, I pray that, they, that you would touch their hearts and their lives. In fact, that, that you right now say this prayer with me in your own words. It's going to go like this. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. 
forgive me for the wrong that I've done. Uh, I, I realize that I've done things and that, that, that you're not proud of. I've, I've sinned against you and your standards. And Lord, I'm saying here today that I can't save myself. I acknowledge that. And I'm asking you today, God, to save me, to, 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 to save my heart, save my life. Be my Savior today. I know you died for me. Uh, you, I believe you rose from the dead for me here, God, as well. And so I'm saying, Lord Jesus, save me from my sin. And then from this day forward, I'm going to commit myself to following after you. I'm not going to do my own thing. I'm not going to live my own way. You can guide me. God, you lead me. Uh, I, I want to surrender my life to you. And so I'm going to commit myself from this day on that I will fully and wholeheartedly serve and follow after you. I will do all that I can to obey and commit myself to you, Jesus. Be my Lord and my Savior here today. Father, for those who are already Christians and they're, 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 they're out there saying, man, I, I've, I've got that judgmental spirit. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you would do a, a great work in their hearts. May they repent today. May they change their ways. May they keep moving forward and not look backwards, God. I pray they would hold themselves accountable for their sin, not other people. I pray, God, that they would move on to greater things and greater spiritual growth, not get stuck in this elementary, basic, judgmental mindset. Help them, Lord, to have lives that are, that are marked by your grace and your peace and your love. And I pray, Lord, that uh, if, they, if, if they're, they're stuck in this judgment, and they're just constantly criticizing folks, Lord, I pray they would take an honest evaluation of their hearts, of their lives lining up with what they believe. And if not, Holy Spirit, convict them. Show them where they need repentance. Show them where they need forgiveness. And I pray, Lord, they would be back on track, uh, living a life for you, serving you, being devoted to you, being, being passionately, God, followers of Christ here today. And I pray, Lord, that you would use them uh, to bring folks into your kingdom and your glory. Thank you for what you've done and for all that you're going to do. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.